0: So, good news. I saw a dog today. Have you seen a dog? You probably have. How was school? Was it fun? Did you get a lot of homework? Huh? Do you have any friends? Do you have a best friend? Does he have a big coat too? Go away! Ow! You know what? Who can take him? Okay, just start making as many snowballs as you can. You ready? Let's go. Wow. Where did you say you were from? Oh yeah, candles burning low, lots of mistletoe, lots of snow and ice, everywhere. What would you like to do? i see got some ideas. Room. I'm such a happy individual. The moment that you Just, just reach out in front of you and, and, and take a sip. I want to go play Dope. hide and seek. I want to go and bounce the moon well. just like a toy. It tastes boat. like a crappy cup of coffee. <laughs> you and I. It is a crafty cup of coffee. Up top. No, it's a world's best cup of coffee. The trick is nice to not get your ironed cotton before. the Also, never close your eyes because then you'll get sick. Okay, make when you feel, feel comfortable. Young. You just jump in. You make you me, me feel, feel there, feel there like, are gigi. songs <laughs> to be sung. <laughs> Givy. Bells Givy. to be rung. Wait, 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 and wait, wait, wait. a wonderful flame to be look at the size of this one. And even when I'm old and gray. I'm gonna feel the way I do Come with me. today, cause you make me <laughs> feel so young. You make me feel so young now. You make That's me feel one. there are songs to be sung, bells to be rung, wonderful fling to be flown. I need to tell you something. I know, buddy. There's something I have to tell you right now. Um, I didn't mean anything I said back there. Not, not a word. I know you may be a little, um, um, uh, chemically imbalanced, but you've been right about a lot of things. I, I don't want you to leave. my son, and I love you. Well, 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 Merry Christmas! Woo! Here we are, it's Christmas time, and I am super duper excited. Um, As you guys well know, uh, tomorrow is an incredibly special day in the annual calendar um, of our year because it is the day that um, our culture has chosen to kind of, and when I say a culture, just kind of the world in general and us have chosen to set aside to focus on and remember the birth of Jesus Christ, right? Like, like your birthday and mine, where we stop, then we take that day and we focus on it. Uh, we are focusing on the celebration of the birth of Christ tomorrow. So it's a really, really big day, right? And, and in our sort of journey of church, if you've been around church uh, at, at all uh, through your lifetime, we typically, when we come to this part of the year, Uh, we uh, take the time to go back and to uh, remember and to focus on the events that took place at the birth of Jesus, right? Uh, That's the means by which we celebrate his birthday. And even tonight, as we gather up here, we gather up to prepare our hearts and our minds for the day tomorrow. We come together on a Saturday evening before Christmas uh, or on Christmas Eve, whatever day it falls on, uh, to kind of set ourselves right and be ready in the midst of all the distractions and realities to be able to spend some of our time actually focused on and actually celebrating the birth of Christ. And so the events of his birth are certainly one uh, really helpful way to do it. But, but it is a little strange when I think about it, that that is the primary and often the exclusive way that we celebrate his birthday, because it's not really how we do our birthdays, is it? I mean, when you have a birthday or when you are celebrating the birthday of someone you love, typically you don't spend the day pulling out baby pictures. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like a whole day of like, let's go back and let's look at how cute of a baby you were. Like you generally uh, celebrate a more holistic reality of the person, don't you? I mean, you're certainly glad they were born and then you might talk about their birthday a little bit. But really what you're saying when you celebrate a birthday is that I'm celebrating the fact that you were born. And the way I'm celebrating that is by looking at the implications of your birth to me. In other words, the person you've become, the person you are, the person you've been, the person I've experienced, the reality of the way my life has been impacted or changed because you were born, that's what I'm celebrating when I celebrate a birthday. We have eight kids in our home, as many of you know, and uh, actually uh, six of my kids will have birthdays within a seven-week period in January and February. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. So we roll out of the Christmas season where you all are like, this is the busiest season ever. And we're like, it's a cakewalk. Wait till January. Because in our household, uh, what we have done traditionally is we've allowed the kids each to choose a meal and a dessert that, there is, that is their favorite for that year. And then they let my wife know what that is. And on their birthday or a day real close to their birthday, we have an evening and my wife makes that meal and that dessert for them. And then we share a meal together. And that's the night we do presents and all that kind of stuff. And one of the traditions we do at each of these meals Is that between the meal and the dessert, while we are at the table, uh, we take the time for the other nine humans, uh, minus the one whose birthday it is, to share why this person whose birthday we're celebrating is special to them. Uh, and, and we've heard the gamut, uh, everything from I like the color of their teeth, and, uh, that's on the list, it's been said, um, or uh, I like that they play board games with me, uh, or uh, man, I am inspired by the way you fill in the blank, do this, say that, uh, live like this. And so as my children are getting older, uh, the things they share lean more from white teeth to inspiration of life. And it's really a neat thing to watch unfold. So I thought tonight, as we are here to prepare ourselves to celebrate the birth of Jesus, to celebrate the fact that he was born, to celebrate the implications of his birth to me and to you and to us. Maybe we will gather around a table and maybe we'll spend a little bit of time together uh, celebrating Jesus like my kids celebrate each other or us. Where well, we might sit and say, let's, let's scoot up to this table and let's ask ourselves, what is it about Jesus that is so profound that his birth matters to us, that his birth makes any difference to us, that we should celebrate his birth? Now, anybody here who knows Jesus, including myself, we have, I'm sure, plenty to share about our personal experience. But tonight, since we're not going to have a sharing time, I thought we would start tonight, not finish. Tomorrow is your chance and mine to continue to find new and wonderful things to celebrate about the implications of the birth of Jesus to me and to you, to us. But tonight, I thought we would borrow from some other people that sit at this table. You see, at this table, celebrating the birth of Jesus and the implications of that birth are those who were with him on this planet, who knew him best as the person walking on this planet. So I thought we would sit around this table with Matthew and Mark, maybe Luke and John, maybe Paul and Peter, uh, to mention a few names and, and see what it is they might say if we said, so, uh, share something about Jesus that's just like, man, thank you for being born. This is awesome. And so we'll take a little bit of time to, to look at what they might share. So sitting around this table, and, and listen, when my kids share with each other, we always tell them, uh, you've got a, th- a three-sharing limit, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm sure you can make up a whole bunch of stuff, and it's partly strategic, because once it goes further than seven or eight, they, they get stupid, right? Right? Um, but we tell them you can share three things because we also don't want the first kid to share 19 things and then everybody else is like, I have nothing left to say. They've said it all. And so in, in many ways, I could have an unlimited list of things that these folks would share, but I've just picked a few just to start stirring us toward kind of going, oh, that's right. This is why we celebrate him. This is why we celebrate his birthday. This is why him being born is a super big deal, right? So here are some things that you might hear shared at the table if those guys were sitting at the table. Luke might say, uh, man, I am so grateful that Jesus came and was born because he came to find and to save people that had lost their way. He came to seek and save the lost. What, What an incredible thing that Jesus came To find those of us that had lost our way and to rescue us, to save us. That's a big deal. That's worthy of celebration, right? Thank you, Jesus, for being born. That's a big deal. Mark might then say, man, I'm just grateful that Jesus came to serve and not to be served. He had every reason to come to be served, to come to bring us into submission, to to subdue us. But instead he came to serve us instead of demanding that we serve him. Man, I'm grateful for that. And that's quite a thing that Jesus would come to serve us. Maybe several of these guys uh, might say, you know, it's an extraordinary thing that in coming to serve us, he didn't just come serve us like, how can I help? He actually came to die for us because our dysfunction, our sin, there was a cost to that sin and that cost was death. And he came to pay for that sin by dying for us so that we wouldn't have to pay. Can we just pause for a second? That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Like if we're the other people at the table, we ought to be going like, whoa, good one. Good, good one, Mark. Wow. That's a big deal. Wait, 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 wait. John then might pipe up and say, hold on, hold on. I got one. Man, mean, when he came, he came to give us an abundant life. John actually wrote that down in the Bible. So in other words, a life that is bigger, that is more, that is better than the one we had. Now, when we fully grasp what that means as we encounter and realize Jesus and the scriptures, we'll realize it wasn't just a better life than a decent one. We had a terrible life and he gave us an awesome one, but, but it's an abundant one nonetheless. He came to give us what? An abundant life. Doesn't that sound awesome? Don't you want someone born who's gonna come give us abundant life? And then maybe um, Paul might pipe up then. And say, I got one for you. He came to set us free. Like he set us free. We were not free. And he made us free. I can almost hear Paul at the table like almost shouting it, you know. He came to make us free. He wrote in Galatians 5.1, it is, it is for freedom that he set you free. Did he set you free so you could be his little army, his little servants, his little children, so he could fulfill his parenthood dreams. So he set us free so we could be. Gosh, there's three of you that got that. That's good. That's good. Think about what I'm saying. He set you free with no agenda of his own, just so you can be free. That's a big deal. We have one who came, who just came to set us free. That's why he came. Uh, John might pipe up again and say, he came to show us the father to show us a vision of who God was because he was God in the flesh. Before that, God was mysterious, distant, a, a fire by night, a pillar by day, a burning bush. And when Jesus showed up, he said, if you know me, you know the father. If you see me, you see the father. Like we know God in proximity in a way we could never have imagined but for the birth of Jesus. That's a really big deal. John might also say, he also came to proclaim truth to us. Doesn't sound like that big of a thing until we realize that we were a people before we knew truth, that at best, whatever truth we found was distorted by us and by our filters and by our our sin. But Jesus came to bring us the actual truth. And what does truth do? This is just kind of a, a standard statement, a fact. Truth sets you, free. So no truth, no freedom. He came to set us free, but he came to proclaim the truth that would also set us free. There's a lot of free in this, isn't there? Does it sound like a big deal that he was born? Yes, it sounds like a big deal. How about this one? Maybe all of them pipe up on this one simultaneously, and they all kind of look at each other like, oh, uh, jinx. (laughs) He came to destroy death and darkness. You guys seem awfully excited about that. (laughs) You and I were slaves of death and darkness, captivated and consumed by it. Children of wrath, children of darkness. And he came to destroy that which held us captive and give us life and light and freedom. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And that's worthy of every minute tomorrow just going, so glad you were born. So glad you were born. And then maybe Paul, I mean, sorry, Peter. Peter might pipe up and, and say, you know, you know, he came to bring us a new way, to show us a new way, to give us a new way. Something new, a brand new way of, of thinking, of living, of, of, of experiencing, of having a brand new way. See, when I say that too, it sounds like a little thing. You know, I had a way, it was okay, but he gave me a new one. Trouble is the way we had wasn't just like, ah okay. It was a terrible, deadly, horrid way. And he came and gave us an utterly new way. It's actually in this little thing, this new way that he brought where we often run into the confusion that we experience or, or, or think when it comes to Jesus. Those of us that are, are, are followers of Jesus and, and those of us that are not, we both have similar confusion in this way. I think many of us experience Jesus a lot of times as this person who comes, brings what we might call religion, and and what's going to happen if you encounter Jesus, what's going to happen if if you start following Jesus, is that inevitably, more and more, you're going to do less and less of what you like to do, and you're going to have to do more and more of what you don't like to do. Can we just own that for a second? Like, isn't that how it feels sometimes? Oh, following Jesus, there's going to be a lot lot of rules, a lot of stuff I got to do, and then I got to do those things. And then there's all the stuff I like doing, and how many of them is he going to say, I can't do? But then you read this list and you're like, man, it it sounds weird, doesn't it? It doesn't sound like it aligns real well, that Jesus would come to set us free, to save us, to pay for us, to, to, to give us abundant life and to burden us with a bunch of things we have to do and to steal from us all the wonderful things we want to do. The reason I think we feel that way a lot is because when we first encounter Jesus and his way, his way is nothing like our way. And his way at first, when we first encounter it... Seems awfully weird. In fact, it seems to take and violate some of our way because the things that are our way that we don't even know are bad for us, we love those things. They feel like they are safe and self-preserving and and the things that give us survival and life. Let me explain. What do I mean? Let's start with what is the way of Jesus that at this table of celebration we say I'm glad you're born, not just because you came to do all those things, but because what you brought with you is a life, a light, a freedom that I want. What is the way of Jesus? What does he embody? This kingdom he brings, what is it? Well, it's described in scripture, actually. It is. These same guys at this table, they'll tell you, listen to this. This is, this is the way of Jesus. So the Bible says, uh, God is love. You with me so far? God is love. Jesus, who is God, is love. So the question becomes, what is? That's good, that's good. What is love? Because if God is love, what is love? Well, it turns out God bothered to write it down and tell us exactly what love is. And listen to what he writes about what love is. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to this now, okay? Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Okay, so let's just go here for a second, okay? Love is patient and kind. How many of you want the other humans around you to be more patient and kind? Just raise your hands. I mean, do you want other humans to be more patient and kind? Anybody? Anybody? If you're here and you're like, no, nah, man, I like them impatient and unkind. Go shopping. <laughs> You'll have a blast tonight because everybody out there is impatient and unkind. Listen, patience and kindness, they sound like a small thing until you experience humans that aren't those things. Or until you experience humans that are. I want humans around me that are patient and kind. That sounds wonderful. How many of you guys want to be more patient and kind? Now, that's half of you now. Like if you're more patient and you're more kind, do you know how much that will change your life and the way people around you experience you? How many of you guys want the humans around you to have arrogance and envy eliminated from them? Yeah, imagine, imagine, wait for it. Your household, your children, your spouse, your roommate, your friend. And there's no arrogance and no envy. Period. It's gone. It's over. They will never again have arrogance or envy toward you. I mean, you just all lost your minds, didn't you? Like, I, I don't even know how to begin to imagine that. Wait, wait for it, wait for it. How many of you guys would like all the humans around you never to be rude again? I'm not even done. (laughs) Not rude, not arrogant, not envious, not boastful, not insistent on their own way, not irritable, not resentful. Can you imagine a world of humans like that? Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. So humans that will constantly be bent toward doing what's right and not wrong Love rejoices in what is true. Love bears all things, believes all right things, hopes in all things, and endures all things. How many of you guys want to be in that world? Like, I want that world. And as though that's not enough, if we were at this table celebrating Jesus, then Paul might say, I'm not done yet. That's just my first sentence. Let me take you to the next sentence. He writes it in the book of Galatians. Listen to what he says. When you are around Jesus, when Jesus is around you, when Jesus's kingdom is here, when Jesus comes, this is what it's going to be like. This is what he brings. This is his way. This is what you get to become. This is what you get to experience. Take a look at this. And the fruit of God or the fruit of the spirit or the fruit of Jesus is love. So we already talked about love. That was a long list of things with the love part, right? So love includes how many of those? The elimination of all the terrible stuff and the adding of patience and the adding of kindness and the adding of endurance, lovely. But he's like, that's just the start. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The reason he says there's no law against these things is because if you lived in a world where that was true all the time, you would not need law enforcement. You would not need a military. You would not need weapons. You would not need anyone policing anyone. Because if everyone was like this, that world would be exceptional. It would be what I might call the abundant life. This is who Jesus is. This is the kingdom he's bringing. When he was born, this became our new reality as our inevitable end. See, when we talk about Jesus coming to give us eternal life, because you might think we should celebrate that. That's the big one, right? He came to die so we could go to heaven. Yes, absolutely, but you can't divorce the eternal life of the future to the eternal life that we start experiencing now because what eternal life is, is simply this, that he brought to us the joy and wonder that we can be part of a kingdom when we leave this planet that embodies all of the things we just read, that everything that is part of our way and our kingdom will be eliminated in that kingdom. No more strife, no more dissension, no more division, no more death, no more suffering, none of it. Why? Because these things are that kingdom. In the same way, if Jesus wasn't born, and if we don't follow Jesus, then while we are here, we will remain in our way. And when we leave this planet, we will have the distinct horror of ending up in a world where the way of this world is at its height. And it is all the horror. So when he came, he came to give us a different way. And then he empowers us by his spirit because he came to find and rescue those of us that had lost our way. He empowers us with his spirit so that we can, over time, transform more and more into his likeness or his way. I am becoming a human more and more like what I just read and less and less like what I once was as part of this world. And just in case you're like, well, how bad was it, Renaud, our way? Uh, actually, Paul wrote that down right before he wrote God's Way Down, just as a quick little thing so that tomorrow you might celebrate a little bit more what was once yours that Jesus saved you from. Listen to this. Here is the way of our world, and you'll recognize it very quickly immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalries, divisions, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, and hatred. And you're like, that's not how I feel. Do you have a boss? Have you talked about your boss lately? Mm, Division, dissension, envy, rivalry. Do you have employees? Have you talked about them lately? Do you have a spouse? Have you talked about your spouse lately to your friends? I'm sure that went really well. Do you have kids? How's that going? Kids, have you talked about your parents lately? Oh, yes, I talk with them about, uh, with great patience and joy and, you know, whatever. <laughs> I see your posts. <laughs> Whether it is our friends, our spouses, our children, our roommates, whatever, given enough time, we always end up in these spaces. But the way of Jesus quietly, beautifully, transforms us into something utterly other until eventually the only world we know is the one that is his. And once we know that world, all we know is light. All we know is life. All we know is freedom. All we know is abundance. Because even when you just hear the words, you feel it, don't you? See, it's like that movie *An Elf, isn't it? they all encountered Elf at first and they were like, you weird. (laughs) You're just weird. What kind of an adult spins around in a door on a date and goes, oh, this is so fun. Or takes you to a coffee shop and gives you a crappy cup of coffee and says, it's the best coffee ever. But you see, over time, Jovi was like around him and the more she spent time around him, the more she realized he sees everything differently. He experiences everything differently. And by the time you've been around him long enough, you realize the problem isn't him. The problem is you the little boy was like, I don't want anything to do with this crazy dude in a green elf suit until he realized that he had magical powers with snowballs. And then he's like, are you really from the North Pole? And he's like, I told you I was. And then they jump on mattresses together and the entire world changes. And the dad, the dad that wanted nothing to do with him when he came awake, what did he say? You might be chemically imbalanced, but man, whatever this is that you are, I want that. Listen, that's just a movie with just an elf who can't actually do anything. We have a God who came that's super weird. I'll give you that. His way is super weird. And when you first encounter it, because you have a way and I have a way, uh, at first you're like, no, 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 thank you. But the longer you spend around Jesus and the longer you spend around his way, the more you come awake and say, if this is the weird you are, then this is the weird I want. Because the world I live in, I'm tired of. Aren't you tired of dissension and division and anger and strife and malice and immorality and idolatry and not other people's, yours. Don't be going like, oh, the world's immoral is all get out. So are you. <laughs> yeah, the world has idols everywhere. So do I. Everything we seek out to try to find ourselves in. Aren't you tired of that? Don't you long for his way? Well, it's coming. It's coming. If you know and follow Jesus, it's coming. And tomorrow we celebrate the fact that he was born and brought with him his kingdom and his way that will now become our kingdom and our way if we know and follow Jesus. So if you're here and you know and follow Jesus, I hope tomorrow is a day filled with a constant stirring in you, a reminder of you, of what you are now the recipient of. An inevitable end for you if you know and follow Jesus is that you are going to become more like this on this planet, and when you leave this planet, you are gonna realize the fullness of everything I just described as his kingdom with the absence of everything that is ours. It will be unimaginable. No more death, no more darkness, no more bondage you should tomorrow thank God that he was born every second of every of, of the day tomorrow. Thank God every day that he was born. Tell him, like you're around the table, I, I've got one more thing to tell you. You're awesome for this. I'm so glad you were born. Because if he wasn't, he'd be dead. And if you're here and you, and you don't know Jesus yet, hey man, it's it's complicated. I get it. The church is weird. We behave badly. Christians are weird, they behave badly. And we're lots about rules and lots about doing things right and wrong. And I'm sure you've kind of gone, I I don't want much to do with Jesus because he seems like a, a, a new religious burden. I'm sorry, but that's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible brings with him a kingdom that will change everything about your life in every way. And I hope for you that tomorrow will be a day that you will start asking yourself, man, if this guy on the stage is even half right, it's probably worth exploring this dude Jesus. Because if he is half of what he just described and his kingdom sounds half like that, that's the kind of weird I want. Because that's the kind of weird our souls have longed for forever. Tomorrow is the birthday of Jesus. And when he came, he came with his kingdom and he brought it to us. And he opened our eyes like in the little elf movie. And we saw when we shouldn't have. Tomorrow, he's worthy of every bit of celebration, isn't he? It's his stinking birthday. And we should celebrate him in every possible way because his birth changed everything. Pray with me. God, we haven't even scratched the surface on what extraordinary realities it is that you were born and all that you came to do for us, to be for us, to change for us, to shape for us and all that you are doing for us, being for us, changing for us and shaping for us. God, for those of us that know and follow you, may may tonight, may tomorrow just be a day where we find ourselves constantly back at the table coming up with more things, more reasons to just say thanks for being born. And for those here that might not yet know you, God, would you begin in your beautiful way to stir in their souls the whisper that says, I came to find you. I came to save you. I came to give you life. I came to change your way and show you a way that is freedom. Stir in them curiosity as you once did in us and bring them to yourself. God, we love you. So grateful for you. So glad you were born. Happy birthday. We love you. Amen.